Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 31... Genesis chapter 31, um, we're continuing in our series on the life of Jacob from Genesis. Um, We will, uh, as I was looking ahead this morning, uh, we have about five chapters to go as we're covering the life of Jacob, and then uh, we'll end up uh, about uh, almost ready for Christmas season, so we'll probably have uh, um, a a series on Advent messages leading up to Christmas, uh, followed by uh, in the new year, I'll be somewhere in the New Testament. So uh, just kind of a preview of where we're going. Um, in this chapter, we have a long chapter. It is uh, 55 verses that we have this morning. Um, and uh, I have struggled with some of these uh, passages that we've been dealing with the life of Jacob because we have had some long passages. And I- I'm used to staying very, very close to the text and trying to, to, to preach uh, what I see there in the text. And we have such long ones that sometimes I get kind of lost in it. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's not as easy as preaching through something like uh, one of Paul's letters or something like that. So bear with me when I have difficulty. But in spite of the fact that it's 55 verses long, I, I want to um, make sure that we give attention to the reading of God's Word. Um, Paul said to Timothy uh, to, to give attention to the reading of God's Word. Uh, it is important. It is uh, life-giving to hear God's Word read. Um, that was what the apostles taught. That was what uh, the apostles gave their attention to, was to the reading of Scripture. That's what the early church gave their attention to. Um, and uh, so in spite of it being long, uh, we want to read the whole text. So, um, this is on the heels. Last week, we, uh, um, we looked at this strange occurrence where uh, Jacob uh, had uh, manipulated, some tr- tried to manipulate the circumstances so that uh, he would end up with all the spotted and the speckled and the, and, the, and the black lambs and goats and everything so that uh, he, he would be able to have a, um, uh, a lot of blessing. But it wasn't his manipulations that did it. It was the Lord that blessed him because he was, uh, he was a descendant of Abraham. He was the one who carried the blessing of Abraham. And uh, what we see in the text before us today kind of follows on the heels of that. It's still dealing with some of the consequences of, uh, of what had happened in the last chapter. So let's go ahead and look at our text. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent, to, sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, 
I see that your father does not regard with me with favor as he did before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the, that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he, he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock and his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to see his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pinched, pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword. Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me, so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs and with tambourine and lyre? And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to harm you. 
But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you have gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid for I thought that you would take your daughters from, before, from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your God shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have, what I have that is yours and take it. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants. But he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now, Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, and they may decide between us two. These 20 years I have been with you, Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was, by 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 day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night. And my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I have been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God saw my affliction and the labors of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children. The flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters, or for their children whom they have borne? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones, and they took the stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jager Sadatha, but Laban called it Gilead. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it Gilead. And Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch between you and me, 
when, you, when we are out of one another's sight, if you oppress my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no one is with us, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you would uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. And Father, we pray, uh, Lord, that you would give me strength and grace as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin and we see how um, Jacob's, Laban's sons were upset with Jacob. They had seen how uh, Jacob ended up with everything, all the good flocks, the strong ones of the herd, and their father was left with hardly anything. And if he did have anything in his herds, they were the weak ones. Uh, So they were angry, they were plotting against Jacob, and Jacob decides, okay, let's get out of here. (laughs) So Jacob... Uh, calls Rachel and Leah, and he tells them what's going on, and they're, they're ready to, to, to go. And notice this. He, uh, he points out that Laban was such a, a trickster that he had changed uh, Jacob's wages ten times. Ten times. He says the same thing later whenever he's speaking with Laban himself. Uh, Anyway, they decide that they're going to go. And um, as they are on their way, we we see uh, that that, that Jacob has a lot of property. Um, He has a lot. He's got all this livestock that he's taking along with them. And he also, it says he put uh, his wives, uh, Rachel and Leah, on camels. And not just anyone would have camels. You had to be quite wealthy to be able to have camels. Uh, so he had a lot of money. He was very, very blessed materially. Uh, and so they're on their way. But one thing we notice here, it tells us that Rachel did something very foolish. She stole the household gods from her father. Now, why would she do that? Apparently, she must have thought these household gods must have had some kind of power to be able to protect her. She must have thought that they had some kind of uh, ability that they did not have. And I think one of the things we see here uh, that Moses is getting across to us is the the, uh, futility of idols. You know, why would Laban have had these idols in his house? Maybe he thought they would protect him from being stolen from. And that didn't work out very well, did it? 
These gods could not protect themselves from being stolen. Um, Anyway, so she steals the household gods um, and and shows how impotent they are. Um, Jacob, uh, he he gets up, he goes, uh, and he's on his way, and Laban... Here's, you know, he hears what has happened and he, he gets all of his kinsmen together and he's on his way to go um, uh, try to retrieve what he thinks is his. But on his way, God meets him. God meets him. God warns him not to do anything. The text here says either good or evil, not to say anything good or evil towards Jacob. Now, what I think is going on here as he's warning Laban, don't get on the wrong side of Abraham's blessing. Jacob is the one who has been blessed with the blessing of Abraham. God is going to prosper him. He is going to give him land, the promised land, Canaan. He's going to give him seed, descendants that will be as many as the stars of the heavens. And he's going to bless him uh, material even. And Laban had already, we saw in the last chapter, kind of cursed the seed of Abraham. He had cursed him in the way he tried to trick him. Well, here, God stops him. He warns him, don't do this. Don't do anything that you're going to regret later. So, um, when they finally meet together, Laban says to Jacob, why did you do this secretly? Why did you do this secretly? I would have liked to have been able to throw a party for you. Do you really believe that? No, he, he, he was always a trickster. He, he probably wouldn't have done anything like that. But he, he, he talks about wanting to have been able to at least kiss his grandchildren goodbye and kiss his daughters goodbye. And then he asks, why did you steal my gods? Well, Jacob doesn't know anything about this. Jacob does not know that Rachel had done this. And Jacob makes kind of a rash vow. You know, Jacob, uh, we're, we see a rash vow later where uh, uh, in, uh, in the book of Judges, uh, Jephthah promises God that he will sacrifice the first thing that he sees coming out of his house, and it ends up being his own daughter. But here in this place, uh, Jacob, he says, whoever has this household God of yours, they will not live. They will not live. Uh, well, he doesn't know that this is Rachel, and Rachel, remember, was his favorite wife. He was the one; she was the one that he loved, and the one who only had the one child so far, Joseph. So, Laban went in and he checks it out. And you can kind of feel the suspense building, can't you? He goes into Jacob's um, tent. Nothing. Goes into Leah's tent. Nothing. Goes into Bilhah's and Zilpah's tent. Nothing. And then it says, he comes out of Leah's tent and he goes into Rachel's tent and he feels all around everywhere. Nothing. And finally we see Rachel says, I'm sorry, Father, I can't get up right now. Uh, for the way of women is upon me. She was sitting on the gods. Now, how, how humorous might this have been? Uh, as Moses was writing this down, yes, he's showing how impotent these 
these idols are. Not only could they not keep themselves from being stolen, but they have now been defiled. Uh, they were just being sat upon. And not only that, it was during that time. Um, uh, you, can, you can imagine this being a, a kind of a, a, almost a parody of showing uh, the, the humor of, uh, of how these, these foreign gods were empty and unable to do anything. Well, we get through that and Laban doesn't find him and it's kind of left unresolved here. And then Jacob, he begins, begins to be angry with Laban. You chased me all the way out here for, and I don't have anything that, what is my crime? Well, Laban probably could have named a lot of things that were his crime. He had tricked his brother. He had tricked his father. He had um, tried to trick um, uh, and steal everything that was uh, Laban's. I mean, he had a lot of things, but yet he asks, what is my crime? What sin have I done against you? But then he, he justifies himself. He tells all the good things that he did as he was uh, keeping the flocks of, uh, of his father-in-law. He talks about how he had, he had uh, served him faithfully for 14 years for the two of his daughters and six years for the flocks and how his wages had been changed so many times. He says, Laban, you're the one who has been the trickster. You're the one who has... Uh, um, and, and God has now rebuked you. Well, they decide to make a pact. They decide to make a covenant. And they make this covenant, and they build this big heap of uh, stones as a reminder. Uh, and this is not a covenant of peace. This is not a peace treaty. This is more like a non-aggression pact. This is saying, this is our line. I'm not going to cross over it to hurt you, and you're not going to cross over it to hurt me. Um, this is the way they bring it to a close. And so, we come to the end of this, this passage, and Laban, he rises up early, and he kisses all of his grandchildren goodbye. And he kisses his daughters goodbye. He blesses them, and he goes home. That's a summary of what we have seen here. Um, one other thing that I think we should see in this text is, is it kind of foreshadows something later that happens in Israel's history. When Jacob gets up and he goes with all of his children, it, it kind of reminds us of the Exodus, doesn't it? He gets up and he goes, just like the children of Israel later uh, that Moses led out, that they, they got up and they left and they, they crossed the river Euphrates, Jacob's children, whereas the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And while Pharaoh was chasing the Israelites, Laban is put here put in the shoes of Pharaoh and, and he is uh, pursuing them. But we have a difference here. Pharaoh, uh, his men were drowned in the Red Sea. 
Whereas God stops Laban before he's able to do anything that he's going to regret. God stops him, and, uh, and they make this peace, not peace treaty, but this, uh, this pact not to hurt one another. So what should we think about all this story? First of all, we have seen all of the things throughout the life of Jacob and his family that have just been messed up. A family that has been broken. A family that, you know, we, we, we see wives that are jealous of each other. We see a, a polygamy that's there. All of this, not God's design. We see a father-in-law turned against his uh, son-in-law. We see all of this, this disharmony that is taking place. And, the, and there's really nobody to blame except the characters themselves. Rachel, she's trusting in false gods instead of the true God, the God of Abraham. We have uh, uh, Laban who's doing the same thing. He's after these false gods that have been taken. And um, and he's, he, uh, I think there's evidence in the text that the gods that he swears to in this are, are not the true God, but there are uh, other, uh, other false gods that uh, were worshipped before Abraham was called. And um, Jacob, you know, he's been a trickster all the way. And all of this is just a consequence of their own sins and how everything has just been destroyed. And Jacob here, we're not seeing him as a character that is, uh, that is righteous and good. We're seeing him as a man that is broken, just like us. We are broken. Just like the people we see, just like the heroes we see in the Bible. We are broken. We have sinned. We have uh, all, uh, all kind, we, we sometimes trust in other things besides God, just like Rachel was doing, to try to meet our needs, to try to uh, gratify our pleasures. And we trust in other things. Rachel and Jacob, they were not yet there. They had not yet reached a point where they were trusting in the God of the universe. They may, they may have paid lip service to Him. And they talked about the God of Abraham. But Jacob didn't call Him my own God. He called Him the God of my father. Or the fear of Isaac. He, he, didn't, he didn't call Him my own God. In spite of His promise, in spite of the fact that God had blessed Him, he still wasn't there yet. But a time will come, I think in the life of Jacob, which I think we're going to come to next week, where Jacob becomes someone new. He becomes a new person. He gets a new name. We can have a new name too. When we trust in Jesus... He makes us new. No longer are we the old trickster we used to be. But we have God on our side. We have been 
adopted into His family. We are made new. We are washed clean. Because of this descendant of Jacob who came, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, who lived a sinless life, who died upon the cross to take away our sins and reconcile us to God. These characters we see here are not ones that we want to emulate, not ones that we want to be like, but they show us a brokenness that is very much like the brokenness in our own hearts. And the only solution for that is Jesus. We look to Him. He is the answer for the brokenness and the pains and the, and the woundedness in our own hearts. And we look to Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.